Hey gang, welcome to Best Night Ever, a show where interesting people who do interesting things tell the story of their best night ever. I'm your host, Ian Hollihan. With me, as always, is Reggie Miller. Now, before I start, I do want to issue an apology to Future Man. Last episode, I really uh, flew off the handle. Uh, I, 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 shouted a, I shouted an F word at you, um, and um, it was very undeserving. I, I, I don't know why I did it. Uh, that's not me. Uh, I'm not the type of person to randomly... Uh, attack folks who are just, you know, uh, honestly trying to catch up on a show that, um, you know, uh, uh, it's not your fault you're from the future. So I really hope that, you know, you can accept my apology and we can just move forward as adults. Um, great. Next, just thanks to everybody who downloaded and listened to the first episode. Uh, the number was a lot larger than I thought it would be. Also, crazy super thank you to the folks who left uh, the star reviews and the written reviews. Uh, a lot of the feedback I've gotten uh, is less than helpful. Uh, sorry, folks. In that literally 50% of the folks were like, oh, man, I really like the banner part and the story was okay. Or, oh, man, I really like the story part and the banner's okay. Um, so uh, I'm just going to keep doing uh, uh, the same stuff. I mentioned last episode that I'm, I'm not a Twitter person, uh, uh, but we have a, a best night ever Twitter. It's at BNE podcast. Uh, Seth Teal, he said, surprisingly enjoyable. I guess I'm just full of surprises, Seth. Uh, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but that's surprising. Uh, another thing folks said is they, uh, they, they wish there was more back and forth or conversation between me and the storyteller and rest assured folks future episodes have that but you know what i'm going to do is i'm uh, i'm going to call alex palmer who's the storyteller tonight and we'll have a little bit of back and forth so you know uh, everyone will be happy uh, just hold on a second hello hey alex this is ian hollahan from best night ever how are you doing tonight hey what's up man uh uh, uh nothing uh so um we're about to premiere the second episode of the show. First one came out on Tuesday. A lot of the feedback we got was, uh, man, I, w- I, w- I wish there was more back and forth uh, with you and the storyteller, the guest. Huh. And so uh, I-, I figured we would just have a, a quick, natural back and forth. Uh, is it okay if I just ask you a couple questions? I, I guess. Yeah, why not? Okay. So the, the story you told, you, you, the story that the folks are about to hear and the story that you told is uh, a story about you and your twin brother, Nick, uh, having an adventurous night together. Is that correct? Yes. Would you say that the story is twin sane? <laughs> you know what? I don't think there's a better word for it, except maybe you could add an exclamation mark at the end of it. Okay. Thanks, Alex. I'll see you later. Right on. Later, dude. Well, there you go. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started on the actual episode. Today's episode starts with me talking about my favorite subject, myself. I love history. I think most people do. I rarely hear anyone say, like, history, bah, no thanks, not for me. I wouldn't say I'm a buff. I'm more than a, definitely more than a buff, because I think anyone could be a buff, but I'm far from an expert. I'm kind of like the uh, truck driver from Die Hard with a Vengeance, who told John McClane that Chester A. Arthur was the 21st president of the United States. Also, fun fact about Chester A. Arthur, he never had a vice president. His whole presidency. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought you had to have one. Also, uh, he was known to stay up really, really late. That's a real thing. It makes me think that he wasn't that interesting of a person, that that's something that you'd put as like a fun fact about him. Like, this guy stayed up way late all the time. You don't even know. He probably has a great best night ever. So I'm not a history buff. I'm not a history expert. I am a history truck driver from Die Hard with a Vengeance. I've always leaned towards obscure history or lesser known history. Like World War II, super important. Very interesting. But come on. What else could we possibly learn that Tom Hanks hasn't already covered, right? 
I started my studious career at Nassau Community College on Long Island, which has such notable alumni as American serial killer Joel Rifkin and that guy who talked really, really fast on the old Micro Machines commercials, John Machida Jr. And, you know, being a history truck driver from Die Hard with a Vengeance, I naturally took a bunch of history classes. When it became time to go to a four-year university, I went to the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, which has such notable alumni as Minnesota Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater and Anna Nicole Smith baby daddy Larry Burkhead. When I went to UofL, uh, I decided to switch from history to archaeology, mainly because leaning towards obscure history, in my mind, it's like you can't get much more obscure than like discovering history yourself and saying, hey, check this out. I want to be super clear and super blunt. Anyone who attended college after 1981 and majored in archaeology who tells you they did not do that because of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark or Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is full of shit. Everyone who majored in archaeology got that spark or that inclination because of those movies. I remember the first semester, like there were people wearing fedoras in the class. I love those movies, so I was totally into it. So much so that I have a dog named Indiana. Um, went on a bunch of digs. It was, it was great. It was exciting. And I ended up getting a degree in archaeology, which means... I was a bartender for six years after college. Molly Malone's Irish Pub, Highlands of Louisville, 923 Baxter Avenue. And there's the plug for them. So my career in archaeology didn't exactly work out, but my love of history never really changed. Which brings us to today's storyteller, Alex Palmer. He's the New York Times bestselling author of the book Santa Claus Man. Santa Claus Man is the true story of a guy named John Duval Gluck Jr., who founded a charitable organization that would help provide Christmas gifts to needy kids. Uh, that was in 1913. Now, 1913 is an important year to remember for two reasons. One, the 1912 election was the election where Teddy Roosevelt created a third party, which split the Republican vote between him, him and William Howard Taft and caused Woodrow Wilson to be elected president. It was big news. It was a big deal. Also, a year later, in 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, which started World War I. So a lot was going on in America and in the world at this time. Pretty much every history book website conversation about this time period, 1910 to 1920, is all about, if it's American history, it's about that election. World history, of course, it's about World War I, because uh, it was the world at war for the first time. But while all this was happening, there was this beautiful charitable organization doing beautiful, amazing things that was started by a man who had really high ambitions and who just happened to be a horrible, awful con man. I learned so many cool, weird facts reading this book about New York City and just American culture in the 19-teens that I started feeling less like the truck driver from Die Hard with a Vengeance and more like that bomb technician from Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, the one with the glasses, kind of a chubby guy. Who's, he's smart enough, uh, but at the end, it turns out, you know, he, he was wrong the whole time and just gets red liquids splashed in his face. If you haven't seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, you should. It's a great movie, action-packed. Uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, uh, Jeremy Irons, uh, the, the actress who played the maid... In Clue is also in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, if you haven't seen Clue, also a very good movie. Uh, Samuel Jackson's not in that one though. Anyways, uh, one of these fun facts, I think it's only a real, it's, it's a very small part of the book, but I found it my, my favorite one-off fact in the book is that Boy Scouts used to have freaking rifles. So when they signed up for Boy Scouts, it's like, okay, you're, you're seven years old. Here's your short shorts, your weird hat, and this deadly weapon that you have to carry all the time. They stopped giving the kids rifles, and you want to know why? Well, believe it or not, kids kept getting shot in the face. So other than weird, morbid, messed up facts, Alex does a really good job of painting a picture of New York City, uh, like the architecture, 
the local markets, and of course, like the social, cultural atmosphere that allowed this shitty butthole to take advantage of a lot of innocent people. So if you're into true crime, American history, or just good storytelling, check out the book. It's called Santa Claus Man. Let's fast forward to January 2002. This is a little over a year after the really controversial election between Al Gore and George W. Bush. This was only the fourth election in United States history where the popular vote didn't match the electoral vote, meaning less people actually wanted this president to be president, but the Electoral College got him to be president. It was the closest election since 1876 between Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes, or RBH. That's what I call him. January 2002 was also only a few months after the terrorist attacks on September 11th, which I'm sure everyone knows all about. If you don't, you know, Google it. This was also just over a year before Operation Iraqi Freedom, where the United States Army invaded Iraq for no reason. The reason I bring these up is because this is what the history books are going to be written about. This is what people think about when they think about that time. But what a lot of people don't know is two things. One January 2002, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson's third movie, The World Tenenbaums, had just come out in theaters. And one night in January 2002, author Alex Palmer tried to pull off the crime of the century. And he ended up having the best night ever. One thing I do want to acknowledge before we start the story is Alex was the first story that we recorded. Thank you for that, Alex. But also it was a learning experience. Two things I learned is Alex says the word like more than my teenage sister and he likes to end his sentence by pounding on the table. I tried to edit out as much as I can. You'll still, anyways, you'll still hear thuds and he says like a lot, but it's a great story. You're going to love it. Also, after the story, please subscribe if you like what you hear and uh, leave some comments. Just leave some positive stuff and keep, keep the bad vibes to yourself. Maybe later on you can leave negative comments, but for now, just anyways, here's the best night ever from Alex Palmer. That's a good question. So I, I had to think for a while on this, and I thought through a few that were like, oh, this was like a crazy party night, or like first time, you know, first uh, month in New York, crazy nights out. But I, it was it was hard to choose one, and one that didn't just sort of go like, probably everybody's had, you know, a night like that that was just like an awesome, like you're out till, you know, whatever. So you don't even sleep that night. So I was trying to think of one that's a more, I guess, had more resonance. When I think back, sort of a defining night, this was something that really stuck with me. It was really memorable. So that was what I ended up deciding on. I got two older brothers, one who's five years older than us and one who's eight years older. So, yeah, it's all boys. My parents had the two sons, you know, three years apart and then... Five years later, I don't know if it was an accident, but they, I think they, they, they tried. All right, man, we'll, we'll get a girl. And then they got twin boys. So. We always had the sort of our own friend group, but we, we definitely, there was like, you know, we hung out a lot and, and there was there was always overlap, but we also would have sort of our own distinct little crews. And then when undergrad came, I went to school right out of college, right out of high school. I, I started undergrad, uh, UCLA. And Nick took two years went to community college for a couple of years, did a program there and like transferred. So we had these two years where we weren't in the same place. I mean, always, I mean, we were close, but it wasn't those, there's twins that, you know, take the same classes together, dress the same. We always had this 
you know, this sense of like, we need to have our distinct identity. So this was like a real taking that to the next level. And I remember when he came to the same school, I was really protective of my, uh, I, you know, I have my identity here and, you know, this guy, I don't want to just become like a, a Palmer twin. I want to be my own person. So I, I feel like I was the more, uh, really pushing that of like, you need to, you know, find it, get your own friends when you come down here. Don't just kind of come in and hang. And I think he would have, you know, he, he had more friends than me, you know, but it was like, it was for some reason very important to me. We weirdly hadn't actually hung out that much that year. Like he, you know, we, we saw each other here and there, but like we didn't actually do much together, which is a weird thing when you've grown up with somebody for so long and, and uh, you know, always been together. So I think it was almost this period of like, being needing to have that you know separation and then it's funny that you know twin brothers living at, you know at the same campus it had been a, a long you know not that many times so it's funny that the time we had like became this uh you know <laughs> kind of a disaster in a lot of ways but also really memorable it was like i think it must have been our third year just finished finals so it was very, just in that kind of mood of like, stress has been released. This kind of this nice feeling of like, let's go out and do something. But most of my other friends were still in the middle of finals week, so they were too busy. Like, there wasn't there wasn't uh, too many people to like hang out with. So, but my brother called me up. He's like, there's there's a, a bus stop near campus that has this World Tenenbaums poster that I really want. Oh, it'll be sort of a little bit of uh, the old days kind of feeling. Uh, it was like, yeah, it's sort of a little bit of danger, but pretty harmless. You know, going to take a movie poster. It's a good idea. And I was like, yeah, that's that's, a, that's an awesome idea. So I got a little like a little wrench, just something to sort of take the screw out because he, he had already cased the joint and saw that there was like these little nuts on there that you had to, you know, or whatever washers. I don't know what those things are called. So I got the equipment and went and met him. And it was just like down the street. Like he was coming from the dorms. I was coming from a couple blocks away in the, the little apartment. So we met up and it was like totally smooth. Took, opened it up, took bolt out, bolt out, whatever. Took the poster. It was a really nice poster. It was like this like sort of plastic kind of material, like just very, uh, you know, high quality. Um, and... So it was like, okay, this that was really easy. Probably if we just grabbed it and gone, it would have been totally fine. But we were probably there for about at, at least like four minutes of just standing, like chatting. Should we go do something? Like maybe, you know, now we've got the, the poster, we should either go back to, you know, we could, he could go to his place, drop it off or something. And then I was like, oh yeah, you know, it was just like, I just, just caught up with, I was watching a Rushmore, which like got to talk about like Wes Anderson uh, movies or something, and then uh, hear a little siren. Bleep. And look, a cop just pulled up. As it was happening, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is probably dumb. I'll just have to like give up the, you know, give back the poster or something, and you know, maybe it'll, maybe we'll get a ticket or something like that. Um, and the cop comes out and it's clear that the cop is like very serious like it's like there's no this isn't like oh you guys are just goofing off whatever it was like he's comes out and it's just you guys sit down you know and he's like call he's like calling for backup uh another cop car pulls up 
ended up being four cop cars ended up pulling up <laughs> for me and Nick just sitting there uh, with our dumb movie poster. They weren't intimidating at the same time. It was more just like the number of them that was really like, it was more like the escalation of it that was the real like uh, emotion that, that I felt where it was sort of like something where, something where you think that it's like, Oh, this isn't really serious. You know what? Remind me, I've just recently watched uh, Soderbergh's Unsane. I don't know if you watched that. Yeah, yeah so good. And, and the way that escalates, where it's like she goes in and thinks it's one thing, and then suddenly the, the, the wall's sort of closing in, where it's like, wait, I can't get out of here? And like, and, and when she does, like, once she's something where it's like, it seems just mundane and normal and like okay i'm just gonna check in here for a day and then suddenly it's like wait i'm this is like a prison that i've like trapped like it was it was that that sort of feeling of escalation where it's like you sort of go oh this this is kind of weird it's not a big deal and then suddenly it's like oh wait this is like they're bringing in reinforcements like this is getting more serious emotionally it was a sort of a similar uh through line i think (laughs) they quickly established that we you know had the poster we had, the wrench, I, I think we probably readily just admitted that we did it. We were just like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, it just didn't even, like, we never, we'd done, like, pranks and things like that in high school, but I don't think it even occurred to us, like, uh, oh, wait, there's actual consequences for, you know, when you when you do something kind of stupid like that. It, it dawns on me, it's finals week, and forgotten that the previous quarter, there was these essentially riots that broke out around our campus that were like it was this tradition called the midnight yell at school where it was like during finals week it gets to be midnight people get all stressed and then it would like yell out your window at midnight it's supposed to be like you're you know oh i'm so stressed or you're like you know pressure release or whatever this this tradition that went for like years or something and then over time people started getting a little more rambunctious about it they would you know it would be the midnight like yell and then throw like something out your window or like you know then, then it was like Suddenly, it was the midnight light couches in the middle of the street on fire, <laughs> and the, it was literally like, co- like cops and riot gear came out like the, the previous quarter. So this one, there was like a no tolerance for any kind of idiocy or pranks or whatever. It was like they were coming down hard because I, I honestly think people didn't really they weren't really doing much. So all these guys needed to have something to do. There was actually more like eight cops, I guess, because it was like four cars of, of cops that were there. So it was this, it was crazy. Uh, and, and the one cop's like, you know, you know how much one of these is, is worth a poster like this? Like, I don't know, like 200 bucks. But I, I was really just, I don't know, like I, this sort of dislike of authority kind of kicks in with me sometimes. And, and it was like, why, why am I being like hassled about, you know, even though it was clearly me being the idiot in the situation. So I was getting a little like, you know, pushing back on that. $500. So, you know, that makes it uh, grand theft for taking this. <laughs> and it was quickly becoming clear that these guys were not, this was not going to be just a like, it's all good, whatever, slap on the wrist. It was like, this is like escalating. They end up cuffing us. <laughs> and uh, and we're sitting there They, they and they take a photo. I, I don't know if this was like a crime scene photo they needed to take or something just like in the moment. But Nick and I sitting at the bus stop with all the cop, like like several of the arresting officers standing like behind us. So it's almost like Royal Tenenbaums-esque family portrait that they end up creating with, with us sitting there. I don't know where that photo is. It's, it was like a Polaroid that I think is somewhere in my permanent file somewhere. End up putting us in the cop car we go to the the it's like the campus police it's not it's not like the the full like you know lapd 
And we, we have to stay there. We get fingerprinted, go through the whole process for a few hours and then end up, uh, they're, they're like, you're going to you know, have to go to court now and they're going to assess how much this costs, all that. Like, and, and the whole thing just seemed like sort of surreal. And then they're like, you're going to be notified. We're going to send you something in the mail. We'll tell you what, what's next. And we never got it. So we just assumed it was like, oh, I guess uh, it's not a big deal. And then uh, cops ended up showing up to our door <laughs> like a month later because there was a warrant out for our arrest for stealing this poster. And we ended up filing, like, fortunately we weren't there at the time. So it was like another summons. We ended up going to court, had to pay a fine. We ended up doing like beach cleanup. Like I think two days, you learn your lesson. You know, you you, you get a good, you, 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 have, you have a, a sense of consequences. I think we ended up having to do something like 10 days to like pay back mainly that warrant thing that really like the, the, the judges don't like that. He got it worse than me, actually, because he ended up like our schedules didn't line up. Some of the days we went together because beach cleanup, when you don't have a car, this is L.A., we would have to get there by, I think it was something like 730 or 8. So we were taking the bus and it was a long ass way from where the campus was near where we lived to the beach. I think we we were leaving at like 430 or 5 in the morning. It was crazy. That was all very miserable. I know he got mistaken for a homeless person twice. Like one time he was trying to just get on the bus and like realized he had no money. He was literally having to like ask people to, to help. It was a funny thing, uh, actually, a little addition to that. So one of these days that Nick was going really early and he was sitting at the bus stop and like fell asleep. He was, you know, he had like three hours of sleep the night before or something like that. And a cop sees him sleeping on the side of the street and buzzes him. Turns out it was one of the guys that arrested us. Yeah. And Nick actually was like, hey, like we, you, you were the, like, you're the reason that I'm here. And the guy actually was sort of apologetic. He, he, he remembered the poster. He was like, oh, right. And he's like, really? You're having to do that much beach? Like he was actually sort of surprised about the level of uh, punishment that we ended up getting. But so there was a little bit of satisfaction there where Nick was able to actually talk to the guy. And, and the guy seemed like a little, you know, he was like, yeah, I, he, 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 I don't know if he felt bad, but at least surprised in some way. At the end of the day, it was like a huge pain in the ass. It still haunts me in some ways, like literally, I was applying for Canadian citizenship. I'm applying for like permanent residence and it's still on my record. This was 16 years ago and it's still on there. I, I actually had to, because of this permanent residence application, I had to get the police report, the original police report, which was a really interesting read. It was a misdemeanor petty theft is the official thing. And it does like go into pretty good detail about it. I don't think it actually even names the movie, but a revelation for both Nick and I, though, when I got the report was that ultimately the, we, we would not have gotten, they, I don't think they would have press charge we wouldn't have nothing would have happened except uh, it was somebody at universal or whatever, whatever studio released the movie the police actually reached out to somebody at the studio and there's actually a name on there which i should uh, i should remember but somebody there said yes press charges but throw th- throw the throw the book at these guys so that whoever that dude is 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 really the one kind of to blame for our downfall like if, if he had been like oh come on it's a poster like we would have been fine so it really wasn't at the end of the day the the, the police or, or even like the the, the the justice system it was the, you know the studio system that's really what's to blame yeah <laughs>
So it, it sounds like a terrible night, probably, as you're hearing the story. Like, why would this be best night ever? But as I think back to it, it it's it's one that I think it, it was just one of those moments that you really – I would say like it was – Maybe I almost became an adult in a way, or it's sort of like the idea of consequences and repercussions made like like really clear to me. And at the same time, it was this this weird experience with my brother who we hadn't you know hung out in sort of in that era. You know, we hadn't like hang out like hadn't done it. So it was this kind of like crazy like that like the night we would be hanging out for the first time would end up you know in in a while that it would be this sort of epic weird moment. He ended up making a his like student thesis film at film school about uh, beach cleanup that was sort of directly about uh, not his experience, but it was it was that you know that setting that he used to to do that whole story. And for me, you know, I, I ended up writing about it for for one of the first stories I ever you know got published. That I, and uh, it's it's sort of this now kind of in the moment was just like. It seemed so harmless and so fun. And almost every step of the way, I kept thinking, oh, this is just like, this is all going to blow over or whatever. And it, it just got more and more serious. And I think it, it made me at least appreciate in a small way how when the power of like the criminal justice system wants to push against you, like, oh, shit, you really don't. It's there's you don't have a lot of flexibility in that and how crazy that that can be what it like what a scary situation that is so it even though it was not a necessarily fun kind of thing i feel like i ended up coming away from it i guess more 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 mature or something i don't know like i got something out of it that really like if i was to point to you know a day that really made an impact on me and uh best night ever in a weird way i i think so if i was to name one i think that one that one sticks out for sure Never did get the World Tennis Box poster. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for that story. That's really a warning uh, to kids who think, you know, breaking the law is cool. It's not. Uh, uh, you know, it is cool having a car in Los Angeles. I think that's the, the second takeaway. First takeaway, crime doesn't pay. Second takeaway is you have to have a car in L.A. Um, again, Alex Palmer is the New York Times bestselling author of the book Santa Claus Man. You can pick up that wherever you buy books. If you don't know where to buy books, please contact me because that's a much bigger conversation that we need to have. Now, his brother, Nick has had a pretty successful career in the film industry, including a short documentary called Mr. Christmas, which has nothing to do with Santa Claus Man, which I find pretty interesting. But do you guys want to hear something stupid, stinking crazy? Nick is one of the six writers of the sequel to the reboot of The Karate Kid starring Jackie Marie Chan. And I know there's going to be subways with that poster, and I really... Uh, I, I literally seconds ago just wrote a high horse that crime doesn't pay. But if you see this poster, uh, p- please steal it. To give that ne'er-do-well, you know, a taste of his own medicine. Just after you steal it, go home. Anyways, the theme song was provided by Ghost of Lester Bangs, as was the song behind Alex's story. If you're in a band and you want to donate songs for me to use, that'd be awesome because I'm running out of songs that I'm allowed to use. You can visit our website, bestnighteverpodcast.com, which has original artwork that pertains to each individual episode. It's pretty cool. You can contact us at bestnightpodcast at gmail.com. And as I mentioned before, our uh, Twitter majigger is at BNE Podcast. My friend Maggie from college listened to the first episode and she said it made her sad. And that obviously is the last thing I want to do. This is a very positive podcast. And she said it made her sad because it made her miss, uh, you know, the banter we used to have in in college years. So, um, Maggie, I love you. And we can have banter every Tuesday. 
because that's that's when the episodes come out. It's like Home Improvement. Remember Home Home Improvement every Tuesday. Uh, it's the Tim Allen vehicle. Is that Tim Tim the Toolman Taylor? It's a family sitcom. Usually this is when I say like, oh, check it out, but you guys are fine if you if you haven't seen it. Uh, anyways, whether you're listening to this in the daytime, afternoon, or night, I really hope it's the best ever. See you next time. <laughs>